Okay, so I'm Ian Harvey. I'm the Toka US Brand Manager, and I'm talking with Jessica Yaten today. Jessica is a skis for Australia internationally, um, was third in the US national skate race in 2019, and is the defending, current defending American Birkbinder champion. And she's also got multiple Super Tour wins. So I thought the public would be interested in hearing from Jessica, especially because of her Berkey win. And, um, and she's uh, got a, a lot to say. And her situation is fascinating to me, how she's adapted to it. So first off, Jessica, you're, you're in Albuquerque, New Mexico, currently studying physical therapy at University of New Mexico, right? Yes, I am. Um, that's a far, previous to that, you were living in Anchorage, Alaska, training with APU, at least for part of the time. And that's a far cry from Anchorage, Alaska. It definitely is, yeah. So it's been a bit of a transition moving here. Um, so um, kind of in my, or two years ago when I was applying to um, PT schools, I was maybe gonna take a bit of a step back from skiing, but ended up having a really good season. So um, I kind of kept training and trying to race last season and it went really well for me. So I've been able to make a lot of changes um, just being here and being in Albuquerque um, with my training. And I think a few things that I found have uh, worked really well for me, but it's definitely been a big change from um, uh, being in Alaska, so. Cool, super. Well, let's get back to that in a second. But first I wanna ask you where you grew up and how you started ski racing. Yeah, so I actually, I was born in Perth, Australia. Um, and I actually grew up, um, I moved to Texas when I was really little and then I was in Dubai for about six years. Um, and then I moved to Alaska when I was about 12. And so I sort of started skiing when I moved there. Um, kind of got more into racing in high school. I actually started off um, more in the cycling world, um, did a lot of running and a lot of road racing actually, and just kind of transitioned to skiing. Um, and then by the time I went to college, I, it was something I wanted to pursue. So I skied for MSU for four years. Um, and then after graduating, I, that's when I moved back to Alaska um, and skied for APU because I wanted to pursue um, international racing with the Australian team. Um, and that was really awesome. Skiing with APU had a really good group to train with there. So that really improved um, my racing over those. I think I was there for four or five years before I moved to Albuquerque last year. So I've known you for a long time. When did you graduate from MSU? Um, in 2014. So I think I've known you since maybe 2011. Yeah, something like that. And I didn't know half of what you just said. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are surprised by that. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely, um, I think, a different sort of background than a lot of people with skiing, but it's also, I think, something that's been to my advantage a little bit because um, I think I've always been really, you know, excited about skiing. It's not something I grew up doing, so you don't get burnt out in that sense, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Okay. And so, as you mentioned, after you graduated from MSU, you went up to Anchorage, skied for APU. Um, why did you pick Anchorage? What was going on there? Um, you know, having lived there for six years and gone, gone to high school there, I mean, I love Alaska. I think it is such an awesome place to train, um, just with the mountains and everything and the climate and the roller skiing is great. Um, but really, I just wanted to um, ski with APU. Um, I wanted to really improve um, skiing internationally. I knew that was my best chance to do it. There was such a good group of girls there. Um, you know, we had like Keegan and Sadie kind of charging the way and um, just having those girls to push me all the time. I made so many big gains being part of that team. So that was huge for my development. And that was like a big push for me going there. Yeah. And I saw that. That was pretty cool to watch. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the Berkey last winter. 
Um, you won the Berkey, obviously, which is a huge result and very exciting. I bet it was a lot of fun, the actual race itself as it played out. Can you comment on the race, both from a macro level, you know, like just observations about the race, but also maybe give a little information on how the race played out. You know, that's always exciting in a mass start, big race like the Berkey. Yeah, so that day was really awesome for me. Um, kind of, you know, interesting background to that was <laughs> I sort of was going in between actually going or not because it was during a really busy time for me with school. So I ended up traveling the day before the race. I had to send my skis down with another guy that lived here who was going, um, ended up getting in at like midnight the night before. Um, and so I knew it was kind of a crazy decision going into the race. I, well, I was kind of like, this is a crazy decision. I don't know about this. This is not what, you know, Nordic skiers normally do when they travel to a ski race. And he was like, no, nah, you have nothing to lose. Just go for it. Um, so I ended up like, like that was a big push in actually going to the race. Um, but I think, you know, it was, um, it kind of taught me that, you know, you don't have to do everything perfectly because the race went really well for me. So when I showed up, I had done a ton of altitude training leading into it. So I felt pretty fit. Um, and also the skiing was perfect. It was perfect conditions that day. So I got out there and it was just awesome. Um, there's great skiing here in the Sandias, but it's not like that, you know, corduroy, really wide trails. So I just felt great when I got out there. I had great skis. Um, and about halfway through the race, I didn't really know the course at all, but I think it's at that double O, the, the hill halfway through. Yeah. I kind of was like, this seems like a good place to put in a surge. And when I looked back, um, I'd kind of formed a little gap. And I was like, mm, okay, we'll see how this goes. Kind of kept skiing and um, I looked back and no one was really like closing that gap. And so I kind of just decided that I was gonna go for it and see if I could just hold them off for the rest of the race. Um, and it was pretty scary because that was not my tactic going in at all. Um, I really wanted to like play it safe and I knew that was sort of a crazy decision, but um, it ended up paying off and I just sort of hammered the rest of the race and I felt awesome that yeah it was just a really great experience so I was really psyched to take the win that day. So you're obviously really good in the hills and you're very fit and the Berkey's um, of course a lot of climbing and it's a course that you can't hide on you know yeah <laughs> especially if it's not like super fast or something like that. Um, were you worried coming across the Lake Hayward at the, la the last 5k's or something where were you looking back could you see the chasing pack or how'd that work out? Yeah, I was absolutely terrified, actually, because um, I knew that my strengths were going to be climbing. Um, and I just didn't know the course that well, too. Um, so I was just like, gosh, how is this ever going to end? Like, just kind of make it. And I kept looking back, but it's tough to judge distance on the lake. You know, yeah. you can so I could see Rita Lisa was in second, I think. But I couldn't really tell, like, you know, if that was 30 seconds, two minutes kind of thing. So it was pretty scary. Like, I basically pushed it, like, until... I was on like last past that little bump at the end. Um, so yeah, I was, I was pretty scared, but. That's, that's impressive. Um, Rita Lisa was also very dominant in all the domestic racing last year, pretty much. So you knew you had your hands full and you knew she was going to be there chasing you to the very end. Uh, but still you built up a really big lead and held her off on Lake Hayward. That's pretty impressive. You well, thank you. Ecstatic, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a really, I mean, it was a great race and definitely one of the more special moments of my ski career. So. Yeah. So as a more or less a full-time racer for years, doing super tours and world cups and other races like that, you heard a lot about the Berkey. This was your first Berkey though? 
It was, yeah, I'd never actually had the opportunity to go before um, because it's always, a, I mean, you know, it's a weird timing, like if you're at World Champs or International yeah. or anything, it's not something that's super convenient to come back for. Um, so this was the first year that I've even like been able to go. So I've yeah. always wanted to and yeah. So, so my experience is I was never able to do uh, the Berkey when I was fast. <laughs> I only did it after I retired. And then I was like this master skier guy working and do the expo all day and then jump in the Berkey and you know, everyone's like, what the heck, man? I thought they go as fast. And it's like, no, you don't, you know. Um, anyway, my experience is when people are fast and they are, and they like race World Cups and this and that, and they're constantly hearing about the Berkey, it's almost irritating and they're rolling their eyes and they're like, you know, but then they come and do the Berkey and they're like, ah, I get it. Because yeah. once the gun goes off, it is so much fun, that race, huh? Mm -hmm. what, what are your thoughts about racing the Berkey for the first time from a macro level and actually winning the thing and then realizing that you're now a rock star for life in Midwest, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome, actually. Like, I'd heard a lot about just the atmosphere and how, you know, it's just like this really exciting thing coming down Main Street. Um, obviously, having heard a lot about it from David um, when he won, and I just, yeah, I guess you don't know until you're there, but it was incredible. It's everything people talk about. The community is amazing. It's the only time you're going to see that many people that excited about Nordic skiing in one place, I swear. Going down Main Street afterwards, everyone's kind of out partying, and it's just this amazing experience. Um, it's organized super well for how big it is. Um, so yeah, it's just totally, it's everything that people talk about, but you don't really realize it, you know, till you get there and get to experience it yourself. Yeah, that is cool. Uh, so you plan on doing more marathons in the future? Um, so I would like to. It's interesting because, like you mentioned earlier, the Berkey is definitely one of the hillier ones. I'm a little less um, inspired by the more tactical races where it's like a, a sprint finish. I don't think yeah. I have a great upper hand on that. Um, but I would love to, you know, like some of those races like the Engadin. Um, I've heard so many great things about them, so I'd love to um, actually get to go race those in the future. Cool. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, how much studying do you have left before you start, before you can leave Albuquerque? So I am almost a year and a half through my program, um, but definitely things have been changed up a little bit with COVID. Right now I'm still on track to be done in another year and a half, but things have been pretty weird with um, clinical rotations just because we can't get into clinic and things like that right now. Um, so best case scenario, another year and a half, um, but we'll see. <laughs> And after, at that point, do you plan on going back to Anchorage or what's your... I'm not sure scene? at this point. Yeah, you know, it's funny. The more places I see, um, the more I'm like, oh, I want to live here or kind of explore here. I've been doing a lot of mountain biking and um, I, there's so many places I want to go ride my bike. And um, that's part of it. I think it'd be really fun to live somewhere else or yeah, something like that. So we'll see. Maybe you go back to Texas or Perth or Dubai. I don't know about those places. <laughs> But we'll see. <laughs> so here's just a just a general question. Where do you see your ski career going from here? I understand you're you're kind of winding things down, but at the same time, you just won the Berkey, and you're obviously still fit. And I know you're fast in the mountain bike and also mountain running. But um, when you get out of Albuquerque, especially, you're planning on maybe turning into a master blaster and going out and you know skiing for yeah. life kind of thing. Totally. The Master Blasters life sounds pretty good to me, actually. Um, I definitely, so with skiing, like I want to go to the next Olympics, um, uh, world champs, that kind of thing, and just kind of see where I go from there and see what I can balance, like with a 
career as a PT, obviously. But like you said, I would love to, especially recently doing more mountain biking as training, I would kind of want to start mountain bike racing, maybe do some more running races, do some Xterra. We'll see. The Master Blaster life, like you said, sounds sounds pretty good. So <laughs> I don't know. You'll probably see me doing all kinds of things in the future. <laughs> I hope so. I think it's really fun. I mean, having been a Master Blaster for decades. <laughs> It's the kind of thing where if you can achieve a balance in your life, it's it's super, super fun and rewarding. Yeah, you know, absolutely. On your own terms. So shifting gears here, this is something I like to ask people, and I'm always sometimes surprised by the answers. Um, your favorite Toko glove model, I've heard everything and why. So I've heard pretty much every model in the past, and the, the, the reasons why have always been kind of fascinating for me. I'm the glove designer, so I'm always fascinated in hearing about that. What's your favorite Toco glove model and why? So definitely, I'd have to say all around Thermo Plus because it is like the go-to glove for, it's the one I use the most. And I think it's interesting. I know a lot of people have, you know, maybe warmer hands than me, but I race in that glove all the time too. Um, and so I find it, it's just so versatile. Like unless it's really cold out or, you know, really hot out, I'm kind of just using the Thermo Plus. I think it has a really good range. It's just a great all around glove. I would say second to that is the Thermo Race Glove. Um, I race in that a lot too, but I don't generally go any thinner than that. So between those two, like unless, unless it's a lot colder, I feel like I have my bases covered pretty well. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely Thermo Plus all around. <laughs> good to hear. So here's another question that's not related. Um, do you have a favorite race you've ever done? You know, a, a day that brought great emotion or memories or just something along those lines? Maybe you can describe it and tell us what it meant to you. Yeah, so we've already talked about it a bit, but definitely the Berkey is going to top that list just kind of for the reasons we like talked about. Just having done things really differently, I think I really doubted myself going into that race and I didn't have like great expectations and it was really cool for me to see that I could, you know, still pull something off like that, even though, you know, I didn't really give myself that perfect opportunity to, you know, show up a week early and preview the course and things like that. Um, and just being busy with school. Um, I just, I thought it was, you know, really cool to see what I could do and I kind of proved myself wrong there. Um, but I guess the other one would be Mount Marathon a couple of years ago, I won that race. I guess it's not ski race, running race, but that was so cool too. Cause that's like the Alaska Berkey, I guess you could say, yeah. um, where you, you know, there's so many people and it's just like this big atmosphere and people cheering for you. And um, so that was really special too. For me, the, the most interesting part of this conversation, um, you're living and training in Albuquerque, New Mexico. You came from Anchorage, Alaska. And, and with uh, a superb training group, some of the absolute best skiers in the United States, was great coaching and, and so on, great support network. But you won the Berkey last year, and we, we heard you know, the circumstances. You weren't even planning on racing, and you didn't think you'd be competitive necessarily. Um, you sent your skis in ahead early to get them prepped, and you came in right before the race. And then you end up beating some of the best skiers, not only in the United States or in North America, but in the world. Um, so what I'd like to know is how you got there, fitness-wise. What are some of the training and lifestyle adjustments that you made in Albuquerque to, to maintain or even achieve that level? Really yeah, so, so I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I guess um, I have transitioned a lot with my training. Um, I do a ton of mountain biking, and that's something that actually came about. Um, kind of had a bad hip injury a couple of years ago, and I started – so I guess before last world champs, I started doing a lot more mountain biking and now 
I'd say it's like over half of my training every week is on the bike and never road biking, <laughs> all mountain biking. And there's tons of awesome riding around here. And I think that it actually simulates um, Nordic skiing really well, just with the changes in terrain and things like that. Um, I just feel like I get a ton out of it and I love it. It's something I, I absolutely adore it. Um, I think it's really fun and that totally motivates me to get out there and go. Um, so definitely less roller skiing overall. A lot of times when I go out and roller ski, because I do a lot of training alone, um, what I'll do is I'll just do intervals when I roller ski um, and then kind of supplement with a lot of um, time on the bike. And then also a fair amount of running, but I try to keep that a little lower because I'm sort of prone to injuries. Um, another thing is I think the altitude training has been really good for me. Um, I think I respond really well to it. And um, I've heard a lot sort of, you know, I started actually doing intervals up at Sandia last year. We had an awesome season, actually, um, with tons of snow and great grooming. Um, and a lot of people are like, oh, you can't do intervals at 10,000 feet, that kind of thing. Um, it's too high. And I kind of was like, well, this is all I have. So that's what I'm going to do. And what I did was I would do intervals, you know, more like threshold type of stuff. But I would really make sure to rest during the week. And oftentimes I was too busy. I was at school. Um, so I didn't have the time to train as much as maybe I would have in the past. And I think that I was able to recover really well and get a ton out of it. Um, so I think I found out kind of a way to train altitude that made it work for me. And I think it boosted my fitness a ton last season because that's all I was doing sort of leading into the Berkey. Um, so it's worked really well for me. Um, but. So this is fascinating to me, but I don't want to put any words in your mouth. So, um, when you were doing those intervals at high altitude, I imagine you can't do a high volume of intervals because my experience is you can ruin a season doing high volume, high intensity intervals at altitude where they, were they like four by five or four by four or something that's pretty compact or were they less intense and longer or can you describe them? I would do maybe like a little less intense and longer, like never more than like 40 minutes type of thing. Um, but mostly just dropping the intensity down and then I would save the level four training for like roller skiing in town. Um, cause I just had heard so much about how you can ruin yourself basically by yeah. pushing too hard at that elevation. But the thing is you get, you totally get used to it. And even now, like I have been, there's a lot of great trails up there and so I'll mountain bike up there. And, you know, if you go up there a couple times a week, it doesn't start to feel like 10,000 feet anymore. Um, that's so true. it is crazy. Yeah. That's true. But part of that is you're getting used to going slower at high altitude. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, I mean, you clearly can't go as hard at 10,000 feet as you can at, what is uh, Albuquerque, about 4,500? I think so, yeah. A lot of my training, I'll do more at like seven, that kind of range, but. Yeah, so yeah. So here's a question then. In January, let's say, um, are you roller skiing maybe once a week on the streets at, at around 4,500 feet as well and doing yeah. it there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I would maybe do like, you know, like some level four sessions in town and then go up and ski and do like a, less intense session that makes sense mm -hmm. and so in in the winter your mountain bike are you riding your mountain bike as well yeah that's the other awesome thing about here is that the it's totally dry so you go up and it's like you're skiing one one morning and then in the afternoon you come down and it's like 75 degrees and you can mountain bike in the foothills so it's pretty awesome <laughs> that is awesome that's kind of like yeah. in the rockies you know not not in the southern rockies where you are but yeah. you know so so you're in the winter you're roller skiing and doing high intensity roller skiing, you're mountain biking, you're going for runs, and then you're going up up high and uh, Sandia and you're doing 
less intense intervals as well as, I guess, distance skis or? Yeah, I would say I mostly, I would mostly distance ski up there, but I think at a certain point I kind of thought, well, I should probably use, you know, the only chance I have on snow to do a little bit of intensity, which is where I started kind of incorporating some of that intensity, but most of it was just like um, longer sessions. So here's another question. Um, upper body strength is very important for competitive cross-country ski racers. If you're doing a good portion of your training in the mountain bike, how is it that you've got the strength to win the Birkebeiner? Um, yeah, so I wouldn't say I do as much strength as I, um, I should. Um, that's maybe something that takes a hit because I end up just doing, I've done a lot more, you know, mountain biking and things like that. But I think something I've learned, especially in PT school and something I've tried to focus a lot on is sort of more preventative, like injury prevention stuff. Um, and just kind of dropping it back a little bit. And that's helped me a lot. I think it helped my fitness cause I was able to train more, you know, running and things like that. Um, but I wouldn't say you know, if the Berkey had come down to a sprint finish, I don't know if I would have been the favorite. So I don't know if I, I don't know if I've done enough strength or last season I did enough as much strength as I would have liked. Um, so it's something I'm trying to incorporate and sort of get back more into this season. Oops, sorry about that. <laughs> so, so do you do double pole workouts or, or? Yes. So yeah. And so one of my more skis or what do you do that? Um, yeah, so there's actually some really great bike paths down here, um, and so I'll do a lot of flat double pulling. One problem I've had is I had, you know, tear in my labrum and my shoulder, and so that was a big thing that impacted um, my uh, double pulling and also a lot of the strength training I was doing, but that has been a really great thing about being in PT school is I've learned so much about stabilization, and that's, that's really where I've been trying to go with it is trying to, you know, prevent having surgery and really focusing on, on that. And so I've actually been able to double pull a lot more this, um, this year than I was able to last year. So, so you're your best client. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Just on a self healing journey in school. <laughs> cool. Yeah. It's been yep. really cool. I've had some issues. I took a, an antibiotic years ago and it's given me the connective tissue. In my body is weak and it's given me all sorts of tendon, tendinosis, tendonitis, and other, other really bad problems. And, it's amazing when you need to learn something to help yourself. I mean, I've basically got a doctorate level of understanding in a lot of these specific things. And mm -hmm. um, if someone asks me if you know something about this, and I'll say yes, unfortunately, because it means I've been injured and I've needed to learn about it. And if I say fortunately, no, it means I'm not happy not having the knowledge. It means I've been healthy in that respect. It's kind of funny how that works, huh? Yeah, no, that's totally, <laughs> I, <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> yeah. What is something about you that might surprise people if they were to find out? So I guess you, it sort of stems into what I said earlier about having lived in Dubai. Um, that's definitely something that people are like, whoa, we didn't know that. Um, but I actually living in Albuquerque have realized how much I kind of like the heat. Um, people ask me all the time. They're like, how are you surviving there? Isn't it like 120 degrees every day? But it's not that hot, but I totally love it. And I actually think like, I'm a summer person at heart and I think I, it inspires me to train. I love that the weather is so hot every day. Um, I love going out in the sun and I don't think it's too hot here. I think there's something to be said for it being a dry climate that helps, but yeah, I've really discovered that I think training for skiing is, it's awesome here um, cool. in the heat. <laughs> oh, that's great to hear. So uh, another question that's more on a personal level, do you have a mantra or philosophy that can be summed up in a few words? Can you tell us and explain it to us, please? 
Yeah, so it kind of ties into what we've been talking about a bit, but I guess my mantra recently has just been um, and sort of a message to other Nordic skiers is that it's okay to, you know, do things a little differently and that you can still have success without, you know, following that exact Nordic sort of template. I've talked to a lot of skiers who have been like, oh, wow, I've been thinking of going to grad school or whatever, transitioning. And I'm like, well, you know, you don't have to completely quit. You can, there are ways to um, still ski race and still be in great shape. And if anything, I've learned that, you know, um, when I was showing up to races last year, I was really excited to be there. I was excited to have the time to be there. Um, it kind of was like this, I was refreshed and um, rejuvenated, ready to go. Um, and so it helped me discover how much I, I really loved racing. And I think a lot of people get a little burnt out. So um, it's something I encourage is that you don't have to do things. Not everyone needs to do everything the same exact way, I guess. Cool. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So that's, that's it as far as questions that I have for you. Um, I thank you very much for doing this. We're, this is going to be not only on YouTube, but also on Facebook, but I'm also just started a podcast. It'll be on Apple iTunes and uh, Podbean and probably Spotify and a few others. So um, oh, awesome. hopefully people will be able to check this out and I think they'll find it interesting and hopefully also informative because I think your situation will be very inspiring to a lot of master skiers too that also have to get creative. I met yeah. people, for example, at the Berkey and in the Rendezvous and sometimes other events for years now, they live in Tennessee and they roller ski all winter in, in Tennessee and then they take a six week vacation. They take all their vacation time that they can muster and then they go and do like six marathons in a row covering Canada, the Berkey, you know, the Vasa, et cetera, and then go back uh -huh. to Tennessee again and then go back to what they're doing. It's pretty fascinating how, how creative people are in following their passions and also following fitness and, and so on. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. Okay. Well, I hope um, you still have a chance to get out and have some fun today. And I appreciate, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate I you um, uh, just sitting down and talking with us for a while today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. We'll see you around. All right. Bye. Thank you.